it's so important for me to hear your stories and for us to be able to share and create this platform of honesty. I feel like actively all together we're pulling these strings out of our brains and holding them up nicely with words like marriage trafficking, labor trafficking, coercive control, cult behavior, pseudo self. Like this is all making sense now. I have all, all these wordless emotions in my head for so long and if what I'm doing deconstructing publicly is helping other people, then good. Let's keep going. So without further ado, we're going to introduce our anonymous guest from Kenya. I'm so excited to have her here. She is so brave for coming forward and talking as the first guest that I've heard from Kenya speak about her experience growing up in the Unification Church. Okay, where should we start? I remember I exposed the church schools that I went to in America and Korea, Sanhua, Sun Moon, University of Bridgeport, New Hope School, and that kind of rang a bell for you. So you told me that one of the Kenyan schools built by the church, New Hope School, got repossessed by the Kenyan government. Okay, basically when the church came to Africa, it came with the Japanese people, yeah? The yes. missionaries. So the leaders were Korean, but they were not around. So their, their aim was to get the people who are in university, the graduates or people who are working, who have already graduated. Because these are smart, these, these are smart people in mind and they can be able to communicate with other people and bring them into the movement. Yeah. The thing is, around 1983, around there, so they got into the church and they didn't even have um, a center at that point. So... It was a house that was used like the center. Most of them came to Africa, every country, and uh, they got the graduates, of which those graduates got other people. And along the, that line, they recruited them, and uh, they were told to leave their jobs, which were really good jobs. Because when you look at that time, it is more of when Africa was trying to get to a point of uh, that it was constructing itself in the ministries, in the government and all that. So once you get someone, this is someone very important to the government at that point. So others dropped out and you drop out and you start the business in, uh, businesses in Africa. So in Kenya, we had a burger hut of which everyone left their work, work offices to bring up burger hut. So what we're talking about is burger hut. It's a restaurant chain started by the Family Federation for World Peace. Um, it's the precursor to Heaven Tea Burger, which is a very famous burger joint in Korea. So just for uh, public knowledge, the Family Federation for World Peace has restaurants, fast food restaurants. So um, it was like that, and it was like one of the best, the best restaurants in Kenya. So the money was going straight to the church bought lots and lots of property of which these workers who are church members were not being paid. And those are the first generation. After, after that now came now to the second generation who are us. What happened is um, we, go to, we went to school. We still had the normal church bringing up of sexual purity and all that. But now when it came now to 18 years, you're told to leave school. Um, and once you leave school, you are, you either go witnessing or you either go fundraising. So yeah. basically, I, I basically I, I didn't choose to go for fundraising because I didn't really 
seeds, I should do that. So I did once go for the workshop and did some witnessing, but that is where I I dropped out. <laughs> you get good for you. Wow. Yeah, the the missionary work. We call it missionary work. It's almost it's almost mandatory or just high pressure to participate when you're 18 yeah. to yeah. not go to college. Um, and that's that kind of recreates the whole indoctrination programming that our parents went through. They dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like they, you know, were promised these church jobs. Maybe they thought they were getting an investment with one of the best restaurants, getting involved with one of the top quality five-star restaurants that belong to the Unification Church. But you're saying that they weren't getting proper paychecks. Actually, they were not being paid at all. They were not being paid at all. So the best restaurant in Kenya is labor trafficking members. Yeah, back then, yeah, it was labor trafficking members, of which now um, all the profits were going straight to the church, and it was not being taxed because it's a church organization. <gasps> oh my gosh, you're right. Oh my god, it's a but it's a business. It's a restaurant. Yes, it is. How how is this so? Oh, but but the but the government. There's good news. The government sold through that, right? Okay, so tell me what happened then. <laughs> Okay, until right now, the gov- it's still under the Unification Church. But now the school is, which was under Women's Federation, that was taken by the government. Okay, yeah, this is crazy. So I've been I've been reading some paperwork from the Blessing Department or FFWPU, and they do word things. They're like, you have a blessing donation fee and a part- participation fee, but it's a donation. They're very, they skirt yeah. around these things. And then it, they have a list of requirements. Like in order to do, you know, in order to join, you have to have these requirements. You have to have this donation, but it's still a donation. Um, so if they yeah. get investigated, it's still a 501c3 with kooky, crazy rules. But this is not a church. This is not a church. Mm-hmm. This is a business. It's a this, business. Is, this is a labor trafficking business. Oh my gosh, that's mm-hmm. crazy. So when did you, you, did you get out when you were 18 or did it take a couple of years to deprogram and see what happened? 18, I was like 50-50 <laughs> because I, I thought I was alone. I thought I was alone because, of course, when you grow up in such an environment, there's a lot of narcissistic abuse and um, you try to fight it out and you try to get your foot straight, your feet straight. So it came to me when I was 25, 25, wow. I was done. I, 25, I was done. And uh, the the things that came after, like the passing on of my mom and how they treated the sumwa and everything, that really put a nail, on, a nail to it, like really down. And I was like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I've heard some terrible things. I'm about the Sanhwas. Mm-hmm. Basically, they take over the whole thing and uh, relatives are not looked up like a member of the family. They take up the whole ceremony. So I looked at that and I'm like, uh, this is not really, this is not really my thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, the church takes over the ceremony, pretty much shuns family members from taking up too much time so that they can go on yeah. stage and advertise for their 
burial grounds or advertise for their sanhua ceremonies of passage of spirit world. They basically claim the dead as their property. It's very toxic. It's not a healing. Actually, uh, you have to pay for your sunwas. So that looks like it's still a business. So there's, it's still business. They still profit in death. And then even if, if there was unfinished business on the earth, you can pay to get matched and blessed and married in spirit world, or you can pay to get ancestor liberation, or you can pay for a house in spirit world, which people pay for before they die. So they guaranteed a place yeah. in heaven. It's all about money. Yeah. If it was so important, you would just give it to your members. You would just say you are guaranteed this in heaven. It doesn't cost anything. Or, you know, thank you. Thank you for your service instead of saying, hey, this person died. But check out the uh, burial grounds. Do you guys want to buy one? It's pretty nice. Mm -hmm. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. But when you look at uh, the employed, the, the employed members, you, you have to remove the 10%, then the ancestral liberation, then the true parents battle, and then there is... Uh, Every ceremony, you have to remove amount of money, some amount of money, of which the money is just not for the celebration in Kenya. It usually goes to Korea, you know. <clears throat> I sit down and I'm, what's going on here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, the way that they they tell you to send the money is either a direct wire transfer or mm -hmm. it's in cash. That's it. No credit yeah, cards. Mm -hmm. No debit cards. They don't want to be traced because they are doing yeah. something wrong. Yeah, it's all illegal. Yeah, this needs to be talked about. Like, mm -hmm. and, and most people don't realize when they get into it because of uh, of the abuse, they love bombing, and then now it gets to the abuse, and someone gets thrown away because it's purely narcissistic. Yeah. No, we're programmed. We're groomed for this. There's no gauge of, of abuse. They tell you to suffer for the heart of God. The more you suffer, the closer to God you are. And so you don't view your own suffering as suffering. You view it as a lesson. And so you just continue to suffer in silence and accept the abuse because it's good for you. Actually, sometimes you don't even know you're suffering. You don't know when you're hurting. Like um, when I got out is when I realized that I got panic attacks. And there were chronic panic attacks. And I didn't understand why until I got to be introduced to some group on Facebook. And when I saw the stories, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I'm going through, but I do not know how to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, yeah, chronic PTSD. It's um, the anxiety. In my, in my experience, I was mm -hmm. the pseudo self for so long when I finally got out. I was shocked at who I had been and who I was. I, I deceived myself. And so yeah. taking, take, splitting that apart and, and trying to work through what's real and what's not creates this anxiety, you know? And you, yeah. it, sometimes you just, it just bubbles up and you have to just, you start hyperventilating, you start crying, you don't know what's going on. It's your, it's your mind trying to untangle what's real and what's not especially because this high control group has schools and businesses and your parents are involved. Every aspect of your life is tied into this church. Yeah. A real reason why you have these feelings for sure.
So actually, and you were 25. I, there's a, a fun tidbit of knowledge. When you're 25 is actually when your prefrontal cortex is fully developed and you can start having critical thought dependent of a high control group. Yeah. So when you were 25, you finally, your brain finally was like developed enough to be like, that was bullshit. I can think yeah. for myself. They were putting this information in my brain for the last 25 years and I didn't feel like it was right, but now I can finally think about why it's not right. Uh, actually, I was matched, and um, he was much older than me, actually, like eight years or ten years older than me. He was Japanese. It didn't work out because he was not also into it. Yeah, he was okay. more into his work ethics than marriage. So definitely, it was for me, it was like, oh my God, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that, thank you. That's right. Yeah, it helped give you some space. So the pressure from your family was off to find a spouse? Actually, the pressure from the church was off was because um, the first time I went for they took me for matching was the Korean matching. But now I didn't get a match. Oh, thank God. Yes, I didn't get a match. And the backlash that I had from the members from the church was or she didn't have enough indemnity. She didn't have conditions. That is an indemnity. She's not a good person. And I was just, I was just 18. You know, I was just 18. And that really depressed me for some years. Until now, I looked for that. We got a matching, but it didn't work again. And I was like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. Um, Actually, this is what happened. After that matching and how the church members were all over my group, I was taken to Champion for 40 days. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, because, because you, you had to do indemnity. You had to do suffering. <laughs> oh, no. So, actually, it was not easy for me. The first days, I got sick. And um, I came to see that the two children were carried in a very high, a very high platter, platform. So I'm like, I'm from Kenya, second generation, I put there. And what the hell is happening here? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm like, what the hell is happening here? I am the first one in Kenya and I don't even get good treatment. You know, like, it's usually just persecution, persecution, day in, day out. I go there and I'm like, Oh, I hung with my fellow second generations and they are so real. I was like so happy, <laughs> you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. So happy. So um, until I met, there's a lady who was my best match from the United States, California. She, we, we really, at times we used to vent out, like it's just me and her. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so gained out. I'm like, you know what? We should let it out. So we should scream together. It was really... <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, we knew we were under a lot of pressure. So yeah, it, it made the bonding with other second generations so much deeper. It's mm -hmm. called trauma bonding. It's called trauma bonding. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as like soldiers in war about to die on the front lines. Like that's mm -hmm. the relationship a lot of second generation have with each other. But it's trauma bonding, yeah. So for context, Champyong is a 
Heavenly Training Center in Korea, very secluded mountains. When you get there, you register for like a 40-day workshop in this case. And from the day you get there, your luggage is the same place where you sleep with a bunch of other people in the same room like sardines. You wake up at 5, you read Hundake or the, the Unification Church's version of the Bible, you climb the mountain, and then you eat bread with bean paste for breakfast. You go do more hundake. At one point, you hit yourself for an hour straight. There's this really violent act of masochism and sadism that the Unification Church members participate in order to liberate spirits from themselves. They violently hit each other for an hour while chanting a holy song. This happens three times a day. It takes a lot of energy for just eating bread and bean curd for breakfast. Uh, and then you go to read more Hundake, Changshimwan, which is the prayer hall, and then Ansu again, and more Hundake, and then more Ansu, and then dinner, and then Changshimwan again. A lot of people climb the mountain three times a day. I think I was climbing it about twice, but either way, this is a hellish military gulag type training center. You also take public showers. You sleep together. You don't even have possession of a sleeping bag. Actually, the sleeping bags are recycled every night. You roll up your sleeping bag. You put it in the public area for somebody else to use the next day. And so that explains why everybody was getting terribly ill and sick. Um, and Champion doesn't believe in medicine. So everybody thought that if you got sick when you got to Champion, it was actually the liberation of evil spirits. So very bad hygiene and but we can talk about that later i just want to iterate how champion actually is like the gulags fashioned after our very own north korean reverend sun myung moon and his survival in the actual gulags in north korea so okay in korea they're really racist it's koreans mm -hmm. first and then it's yeah. japanese as servants and then it's americans mm -hmm. And then it's black people. Mm -hmm. I felt that way. It was so bad. Uh, we there was a there's a black lady also there, and she was from a French-speaking country. And everyone was like, "Oh, do you know her?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no! And I know at matching ceremonies, people, Reverend Moon was like, oh, there was that one black person here. Is anybody brave enough to marry this black person? I'm like, what the fuck? You've just matched everybody at random. Mm -hmm. <laughs> why, why are you stopping now? Mm -hmm. uh, um, so that, yeah, that's terrible. Mm -hmm. So the people I got along the most were the Americans, then the Russians, then the Japanese who looked at me and felt like I'm an interesting person. Then the Koreans were like, ugh. Oh man, I was terrified because they hate Japanese people. I was terrified of telling them I was Japanese. So I would lie and say I was Korean because they would flip a switch if they found out you were Japanese. They'd try to make you subservient. They're like, oh, you're... but if I was Korean, I would get the best food. I would, I would be given a nice seat. So weird. Mm -hmm. The th the thing that really got my eye in in Chongpyeong that still is in my head right now is this Japanese lady who came in, and uh, this was my fourteenth day, and I was just okay. And then I'm looking at her; she has torn socks. She doesn't look like she's well groomed. 
her hair is messy and i was like okay should i really help her or should i mind my own business and actually i took all my socks and put it in the uh, that the table that you the monsey table monsey the monsey pile in the unification church reverend moon would often end speeches with the words monsey it often meant and embodied living for the sake of others so a monsey table was a table where you would put items that you wanted to pass on to the next person and it was a free for all table a monsey table that one yeah because that thing bugged me i couldn't sleep like and she those donations money plenty of money because she wants ancestral liberation she wants she wants the, the whole experience so i was like really and then i hear you from japan by ship not even by air it was like it's really uh, that's yeah. because they're supposed to suffer they have to suffer so she had money ancestor liberation could go up to 14000 to beyond that um champion mm-hmm. in itself the fee to participate is like 2 to 4000 for a 40 day workshop 2 to 4 so yes you what you you are saying that they have money but it's all going to the church and then she can't even mm-hmm. afford her own a pair of socks mm-hmm. wow okay people are saying the church is hella racist when i think back more oh yeah members would never admit how racist the church is yeah it is there's a definitely a hierarchy didn't even think about marriage when i was 18 so let's get more into the juicy tidbits of today church politics is crazy yeah it's really crazy you have to know someone actually you have to know true mother you have in person you have to know korean there are so many categories that you have to get to be to be somewhere you know like uh, in the beginning we had uh, korean national uh, continental directors until recently there was an african continental director so basically it was just for koreans and of course they paid they paid well your house you taken care of yeah better than the regular actually Aish. korean leaders if korean leaders if they're not paid they'll strike and they'll be like i'm not going to do this but other leaders will be okay like we are doing this for god you know for the true friends so they have a healthy sense of boundaries i i really admire that because them it's like how am i going to take care of my family how am i going to do this how am i going to do this while others are like you know what we are going to do this for god we are going to sacrifice how long are you going to sacrifice actually is to ask in the church they the church will pay you yeah but you still have to pay 10% i don't get because most of the time in the church why are you giving 10% that doesn't really make sense wow. <laughs> you still take the 10% and ancestral liberation is still the same amount of money and you'll still charge cash and the guys were being paid to bring people into the the movement that was okay. like the motivation bless oh my god guys. yeah that's oh my god <laughs> Okay, that's so mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But how much is that in in Kenya? What can you buy with what you get from witnessing and and bringing somebody in? Like a dollar right now is like 130 Kenyan shillings. How much is a KFC bucket? Uh yeah. probably like 15 15 dollars. 15 that's 1500. and what's it? 13. So you can buy yourself like a bucket of chicken? <laughs> <laughs> they'll be thinking of how they're going to take care of their family before they take a bucket okay so you're getting paid to witness the people that's so interesting I, i that wasn't the case before 
Very interesting. And then I heard the COVID relief, uh, Hachahan came in to send oh, some money. I had, that. I, had, I had a problem with that, actually. Oh, she is so nice. She contributed $3,000 to the Kenyan church. And I was like, yo, wait, I would get that. I would really love that as a salary, you know. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Regular monthly thing. How many members was this three thousand three thousand dollars for? Mm-hmm. More than fifty members who are active in the main church in Nairobi. So I'm wondering, okay, how much is that for each member? Let me see. Let me see. I was like, thanks, Hot Jahan. Like we'll get our COVID masks. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Find that the burger hut is being run by labor trafficked members that aren't getting paid. Now you have to keep in mind, Hakshahan Moon is worth $3.5 billion estimated. The Tongil company alone that the church runs. Tongil has a revenue of about $52 million a year. So when we're laughing about Hakshahan donating $3,000, that's really like her just giving pennies. Since then, they have been having webinars every. I think I showed you one of them. The yeah, yeah. Are frequent. Okay, so you got out when you were 25. That's amazing. You've had a couple years to process. You're still surrounded by the church in Kenya. How has it been seeing like the ex-Muni community blow up online? Actually, in Kenya, we don't have any. So I, I saw the Americans blow out online and I was like, whoa, I want to join. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, and that's what you're doing. I'm so glad you you joined me. That's crazy. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you still have siblings? Mm-hmm. I have. Actually, um, you know, you remember how Reverend Moon used to say, multiply and have dominion? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. How many siblings do you have? A lot. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I wanted to have babies when I was like 20 years old because of that. Thank God I did it. Their babies are difficult. Wow. Okay. It does. Your mom took it literally. My dad took it literally. Your dad took it literally. Oh my gosh. What's the average amount of sibling uh, of children in in the church in Africa? Five. Five is the five is the average. Yeah. Okay. In, in America, when I look around, it's either three to four. But mm-hmm. on average, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to gather what it was like in other countries. Growing up, um, mm-hmm. having so many siblings, growing up in a very poor environment, depending on the church. Your parents didn't finish school. So any mm-hmm. crumbs that the church throws at or any reason to go to a public event and get fed was enough to bring everybody. Yeah, because going to Holy Day events, there's guaranteed to be a table full of food mm-hmm. that, that you can and take food. part of. Yeah, fruits. Yeah. So, so and, many fruits. And- End game. Yeah, end game. So it was fun and you get fed. And then you live the rest of your life kind of in poverty and really hungry and not knowing mm-hmm. why. I, it's like a, a bait. It's such a bait tactic used in the cults. It's interesting to see that it, it was over there too. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to waking up early at five o'clock for Mudoke. Because, okay, I felt like it was abusive because. Um, you are not allowed to doze off. And this is my body I'm trying to fight. I am really trying to fight. As in, at least give me the credit. I'm trying to fight. But no, if you doze, uh, it's the devil, you know. And it really drained me. And then that's the hundoke is one hour. 
then if actually in the workshops what we used to do is if it doors off we'll have to have 100 100 that day because we don't get yes so 100 supervise wait like full bows like from the yeah. ground like from standing yeah, from, yeah. <laughs> what No, I mean that's that's normal though. Yeah, I remember I remember this, but um supervised is a little that's a little Yeah, it's a step that's a step up that's a step further. Oh my god. Would you do it really fast? I was so good at it. It was like <laughs> You know where you like hit the ground so hard that you bounce and you get back up? <laughs> And then the momentum like pushes you back up and you just do it again, knock it out. <laughs> yeah, okay. And if you're supervised, you are not allowed to do that. Oh, <laughs> damn. You no, can okay. bounce back. <laughs> yeah. It's like a test in resilience. Like, no, they make you actually like do like military style full bows, head to the ground. <laughs> <It's set. laughs> oh my God. Wow. Wow. Okay, so this is so interesting. I'm seeing the global culture, like for the Unification Church, because you're in Africa, I'm in America, I was in Korea. It's the same. It's the same. The bits, the same behavior controls, same shaming, the same everything. The indemnity. You didn't feel good enough. You were well, you were awake at five o'clock. You congregated with people at five o'clock. Who the hell does that? <laughs> good job. Good freaking job. Like, you did amazing. I, it's still ridiculous standards. It's so crazy. I will give you the validation that you did an amazing fucking job waking up at 5 a.m. No, even earlier, 4.30. You were up at 4. Who knows? You got there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. You did awesome. Fuck those guys. Marinke, <laughs> I hope I said She's so good at the buffies now because of all the buffies. Oh, she's so good at buffies. <laughs> That's hilarious. So we all adapted these like tactics to make it work. When when we would bow, I would put my head down and sleep. <laughs> In Champyang, the prayer hall. When you go to pray every night and everybody's crying and then everybody's like super like abaji 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 and then I was just like. <sighs> <laughs> one time, one time I woke up because I was snoring, and I looked around. And I was like, "Hey, man!" <laughs> I think actually, when I arrived in Chompyong, it was just after winter. I have never experienced winter in my whole life, so it was really cold. It oh was my really god! Cold and, oh my god! And I see Koreans in shorts. I'm like, "Yo, this is my winter." <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, when I got to the mall, the international hall, the second day I was so tired and I noticed the floor was heated. So what I did, I just carried myself and I slept under the table. <laughs> oh, good for you. Nobody came and woke you up with a like a flashlight. Okay. Nobody woke no, you up. It was during the day. Actually it was during the day. Oh wow. Yeah. The Americans used to look at me and just laugh. Like it was hilarious. <laughs> no 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 the reason i'm shocked i'm shocked because i tried to sleep under the table too but like within 10 minutes the security guards would be like get up go to Hansu or like go to the lecture they would find you because there was cameras everywhere mm -hmm. 
but somehow you it was not when guys went to ansu the first time when guys went to ansu i went to the pregnant hall the pregnant women's hall and i took the sleeping bag and i covered myself up and i said do not touch me <laughs> and they left you alone like, yeah they left me alone i'm okay. black <laughs> <laughs> don't touch that she's possessed she's sleeping in the pregnant hall no that's crazy <laughs> what the fuck okay so i'll tell you my story about trying to sleep in champion yes i hid inside the cabinets to sleep and skip lectures so there's a women's hall and on the sides there's those metal cabinets and so mm-hmm. when lectures are on to started i would crawl into these cabinets that are for luggage and mm-hmm. close the latch and pray to god nobody came but the security guards would come like within 10 minutes of like the song starting they would come and like bang down on the cabinet i was like how the fuck did you guys find me this is the women's hall where we get butt naked and change and this is where the luggage is that have cameras watching at all times mm-hmm. so i don't know if like i'm on some strange porn hub tv of voyeurism because i was taking off all my clothes and they had cameras watch like this is so weird mm-hmm. i heard they had cameras in the the shower rooms too there was cameras in the bathing rooms and when somebody asked mm-hmm. i saw the cameras in the bathing the bathhouse and said why are there cameras in the bathhouse and this other person told them oh they don't work they're just they turn them on at night so they can catch any bad spirits doing mischievous things that's a lie mm-hmm, like a lie. You, yeah you know that they were always on and i don't know what the hell they did with the footage we were butt naked yeah actually the first day i went to the baths i was like so shook yeah. i couldn't imagine how much i saw because <laughs> <laughs> like the biggest nipples <laughs> i remember <laughs> a memory of like a naked hurricane of people just close your eyes oh, look. <laughs> okay after this we're going to be taught taught purity purity culture <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, funny uh somebody said we used to sleep in the sleeping bag room used to sneak and watch tv in the security office good times oh my god were all these naked people on the, in the security office good times can you talk about that <laughs> no uh, hell no that's suspicious that's weird haha <laughs> one giant room full of hundreds of naked bodies yeah it was so weird and everyone showering next to each other it's a lot yeah it is a lot my hands actually my hands you're hand having the little punch the people who had the idea <laughs> but they were they were watching us to make sure no evil spirits like you know made anybody go crazy in the showers because <laughs> that place was mental mm-hmm. <laughs> i used to cover myself up until i used to go to one corner in the showers so guys used to be like, are you sure yes i went to the, i was in the corner <laughs> oh my god man korea is traumatizing wow Okay, so we all had the same experience in Champion. Traumatizing. I hope I'm not triggering anybody out there. No, no TV, security cameras. E watched movies on OCN during Ansu. During Ansu, just TV. There was TV in Champion. That's insane. I, I never knew. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that either. Wow. It's like a place that it was there was no distractions except for climbing the mountain three times a day. I knew the Kore- there were some Koreans who used to sneak out at night, go out and then come back in the morning. That I knew. Yeah, I met them actually. <laughs> it's weird. So yeah, the story. 
um, this this one time I went to the bath and I didn't go to my normal corner. So I took a shower really fast and then went to the to the is it the dressing room or the no it's not the dressing room, the women's where we put our luggage, the luggage room. Yeah, the luggage room where we sleep. Mm-hmm. So these Koreans come up to me and tell me some few things and they tell uh, told me that they went out last night and it was fun and they usually come back to the is it the cafeteria yeah every morning it's like oh. their parents have to go to Chongyong whether you like it or not I saw them they like oh it's cool but I, in the night I'm not going to be there I'm going to go out actually that brings up a good point I heard there was a norebang a karaoke in the city, like a couple of minutes bus ride or mm-hmm. from Champyong, mm-hmm. this is a it's a really bad story. Basically, one of the leaders in Champyong was taking mm-hmm. underage girls to the Norebang and then seducing them. Oh. Mm-hmm. So the Champyong leaders were having sex with underage girls. I don't know if you knew this. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Something to look oh. into if you're still in the Unification Church. Maybe um, hear these stories. And look with your own eyes to see what kind of corruption is happening because we were so easy to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. So naive. We would believe anything naive. if you told us. Yeah, if you told us there was a providential reason behind it, we would do anything. Oh. <laughs> I remember mm-hmm. Marina says, I remember a few people having sex in Chongqing. Wow. Yeah. I mean, oh. I'm all for it, but I don't know if it's consensual or if it's leaders taking advantage of children. Somebody has to look into this stuff. Okay, so recently you told me that the leader in Senegal mm-hmm. got influenced by the Unification Church. There's, there's Senegal, and then there's uh, South Africa. They tried, but um, they only got um, Nelson Mandela's son, who was Nelson Mandela. Wait, Nelson Mandela's son, like the president of South Africa. Yeah, he even went to Korea for some few webinars. Okay, they're, they're called what? Uh, seminars yeah wow <clears throat> that's pretty impressive mm-hmm. yeah that's pretty impressive yeah. mm-hmm. actually oh, wow. it's all sold, sold under world peace you know so it's mostly organized under the family federation for world peace women's federation for world peace and upf okay so it sounds very legit but mostly it's just it's, mostly here it's UPF. so are they doing any actual peace like are they doing anything beneficial for the people actually that's one of the things that i was asking myself and uh, they they don't do charities. No charities. UPF doesn't. They, I've never seen any charity work around. Because I was wondering if this guy, Reverend Moon, is a really nice person, he would be doing some charity somewhere. But I have done my research, and there's no no charity that he's done anywhere. Has he in the United States? No, not not legitimate. N- not unless it's for the um, foundation of the church. If it helps there group get richer i mean no and i mean i can reflect on my service for peace projects where i pick up trash but when i look mm-hmm. on it it was labor trafficking they use this as padding like with these really innocent kids mm-hmm. to show a good front but really just mm-hmm. picking up trash like to make their property look better so they can charge more for whatever they're selling so basically whatever they do is scholarships of which they usually give each family or child 30,000 30, Kenyan shillings. That is like $300. Okay. Uh, that is for their school fees, partial scholarship. Yeah, basically that. And then uh, if it comes to the university scholarship, when it is coming to, say, Sungwa University, 
San Juan. Okay. To, you you have to attend a workshop here and then do some kind of condition and then now they can accept you. So they promise so, you a scholarship, but if you don't meet this conditions, you won't get it anyway. Mm-hmm. And also I've been networking with some members in Europe. It turns out that the church has a Ponzi scheme going on where you can witness to an African tribe. You pay $3,000 and I have a sneaky suspicion these scholarships are coming from this Ponzi scheme being run in the UK, where you can be the spiritual witness to these groups in Africa. So who's to say this money is even coming from the organization, but just a lateral move from other members to make the organization look legit and look good. So this thing, this obsession with schools, it looks good on the outside. Like, oh, they're making schools for Kenya. It's called New Hope. It sounds so great. But actually, that's just a place of programming young children to continue the chain of servitude for the church. Because I was in these schools. mm -hmm. Actually, it's more PR because... They'll say that we have done this, we have built a school, we're helping children. But the most of the money was from Japan, you know. Oh, okay. So, so the Japanese are paid. Japanese really suck. Wow, okay. So you're saying that they built the schools with the donations of the Japanese members. It still goes all to Korea. And then it programs mm-hmm. children to things that they're going to live for the sake of God, but really it's the church and continue to take these shitty jobs that don't pay a lot and just start the whole cycle over again. Cause that's how I was. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in the church school, I got a shit education. I wasn't taught anything real. So I couldn't really think for myself. They had behavior control tactics and conditioning and shaming. They had misinformation. You know, they teach you just enough that, that you think you're learning, but you're just learning their course of history. When we got to a certain age, second generation, were, a certain age where second generation was 16, 18. Of course, I was older than that. I was like 22. The continental director came and told us we should drop out from our school. Like university, the ones who are here. So we have doctors, we have uh, lawyers, we have HR, we have we have various nurses. So a group like my group, we decided we're not going to do that. We're not going to drop out. While others decided they're going to drop out and go for fundraising and witnessing. So basically, it's a cycle that is endless because your parents will drop will, dropped out from university or dropped out from their job, and then you will not go for university. For example, wow, yeah, that is a cycle. So when you do realize when you're like 40 years old that you've been labor trafficked for the last 22 years, it's like, well, I have no foundation. I'm poor. Like I depend on the church. How am I going to get out? What am mm-hmm. I going to do? I just have to keep, you know, doing what I'm doing because this is what I'm used to. And yeah, and all your connections are from, yeah, I, I was in school, Good. I finished and graduated, yeah. Heck yeah, me too, <laughs> even though I had some educational abuse. So yeah, we did good. So if anybody's out there who thinks they can't do it, you can do it. Yeah, not give up on yourself. It's super nice yeah. when you can have some stability financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God you did good. You had enough foresight and self-respect to get out of a bad situation. And I'm so glad that you could connect with me and that we could connect from across the globe. So the church seems to be pretty active in Africa. Across the nation. It's just that um, the most active are fewer. Numbers. What's so intriguing about that? Actually, it's more of the love bombing. You 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 felt you're meant to know that you belong where where you feel like the world does not really appreciate you as a human being. So once you get there, you feel like you belong. You're love bombed, and you will you will join because you'll think this is a nice place. 
Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I stayed in the church too because the high intensity emotions that you get when everybody's hyped up, uh, it's intoxicating. Unfortunately, it doesn't last. It's like during the group gathering and then it's over. And then it's like, it's not sustainable. You know, it does satisfy, but it's not sustainable. And so, yeah, it's toxic. Hair wisps and religion. It's all about belonging. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's hard to um, always feel like you belong even outside of a religion, but when that's used, when your need for belonging is used against you, that's toxic and that's behavior control. And that's what the church is really good at. I guess that belonging is filled with even just a couple of close friends, one or two. So you don't need to join a cult for that. At the end of this interview, our connection was actually getting lost. So we had to wrap it up, but I hope you enjoyed this interview. I'm pretty sure we'll be talking. And I want to extend the hand across the sea. If you ever need some support. There is a huge ex Mooney community <laughs> that's getting very loud. So you can definitely, you already joined us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it too. To find more support on the ex Mooney community, please go to Instagram and check the hashtag ex Mooney, hashtag queer ex Mooney, hashtag I got out. And you'll find plenty of people to support your journey of deconstruction.